Big Deal Podcast. Moi! Uh-huh. Moi! never done one of these zoom things before so uh this is uh, a new experience i sent an invitation to my brother jeff because he's a big old horror movie fan oh i know but uh he never responded so i don't know if he'll join us or not uh but if he does that'll be good well, i'm just glad to be talking to you in person well, yeah it's semi in person we're yeah we're now in this uh jetson universe of uh <laughs> talking to each other and all that it's great i'm still waiting on my my personal jetpack and my trips to outer space well you know uh in the lax they keep reporting some guys running around out there with a jetpack oh really oh yeah they they keep reporting that planes and and uh, uh people have seen him oh. I did. I did see that uh, report about a guy. The second, like, had a second one recently, but me and my buddies that are into that stuff think uh, think it's a drone that they're uh, flying uh, around here that yeah. looks like a guy in a jetpack. So who knows? Yeah, I'd well, love it to be a jetpack though. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come out next year and we get ours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think I've missed my chance to go to outer space. I don't think I don't think that'll be anytime soon. I'm hoping my granddaughter gets to go. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, you know what? I think she will get to go. Yeah. If you look at the, uh, seems like everything really kicked in with the internet kicking in in the '90s. We still had changes. We had phones coming. But they weren't really great phones, you know. Yeah. But everything since the uh, the internet started in the night. When I say the nineties, I mean amongst yeah everybody. Uh, boy, it's just gone so fast and gets yeah. going faster. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. We do have Star Trek communicators now. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Here's mine. Yeah. You know, it's like. I used to, I, I, they, uh, I know they make a communicator you can buy, but I don't think they make a phone communicator. Yeah. And I felt like, boy, Star Trek really missed out on marketing, but not coming up with a smartphone, Star Trek, you know, <laughs> communicator. I mean, I know there's boomers that would buy that. You know, yeah. Do it. Yeah, that's true. I always used to have to just reach into my pocket, take my wallet and flip it. <laughs> the little thing go up and go, Scotty, give me up. Yeah. yeah. That's what close as I, I ever got to that. Oh. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let me do the intro and then we'll start talking about some horror stuff. Sure. Okay. Hey folks, thanks for stopping by again. This is whatever with Mark Deal podcast and I'm your host, Mark Deal. 
Today, I have a special guest, uh, Sam Park, a guy I went to high school with, and uh, we're going to be talking about horror, and uh, I'll let Sam introduce himself and give you some of his his monster monster kid credentials. So, Okay, so- start. Uh, let's see. Well, first off, I'm not, I, I've just got you on uh, my view, Mark, so... Uh, uh, you know, I have no idea what I look like. The, uh, I'm Sam Park, uh, grew up, uh, around Mark, uh, uh, and, uh, a child of the sixties and seventies and all the monster kid stuff, monster movies being shown on TV. <coughs> so it wasn't like today. It was, you know, we only had two stations, then later three, and then finally cable. We got eight. But we, you know, took our monster movies where we could get it. And uh, and then, of course, that probably led to me reading a lot more. So I read a lot. I, I see in fourth grade, I, I started reading uh, Sherlock Holmes. And then uh, that led to uh, uh, Dracula and Frankenstein, uh, the, the books, the novels. Um and, uh, and, you know, went from there. And then with there was a, a magazine for kids at the time called Famous Monsters of Filmland Magazine. And it was just this perfect, uh, perfectly written book for kids. Um, I say early, uh, you know, that uh, preteen tweens is what they call it now. I yeah. Think. And uh, and it was a, a great place to both read articles and see most and photographs from these movies that maybe we hadn't seen to learn of them and then have interviews with people. Uh, and uh, uh, another thing I thought was very important was the letter pages for meeting people and all that are reading about some, a kid like you in Pennsylvania or Florida or, you know, wherever. So yeah, I grew up with all this <clears throat> monster stuff around me in the 60s, had a big monster boom with uh, Universal releasing their classic horror films on uh, TV to in a uh, TV package called uh, Shock Theater. And uh, there was a uh, station you you may not get or you could get depending upon your antenna uh how it was uh, rigged up called fantastic features and it was hosted by a guy named uh, a host named savad which was <laughs> his name davis spelled backwards yeah i was out of memphis wasn't it out of memphis yeah and they showed those old movies and when i was in fourth grade um i uh uh, my parents went to school in Memphis during the summer. They were educators. My father was a superintendent, my mother an English teacher, becoming a counselor. So they went to school in Memphis, <coughs> where both had gone to school before in the past. And we spent a summer there, almost three months. And uh, I got to see, you know, fantastic features every Saturday night at eight o'clock. It would start on Channel 13. Yep. And uh, they would show, uh, you know, a feature 
And then, you know, all the kids would go out and we'd play kick the can after that. And having seen the monster movie and all the kids would talk in the neighborhood. So it was really great to just be in the city where that happened. So between famous monsters, fantastic features, watching these movies, reading these books, and then reading comic books, horror comic books, my cousin, Carrie Gamble, who would later go on to become a big time comic artist uh, on Superman and Spider-Man and all this. Uh, we were just kids. He was two years older than me. He lived in Fort, Fort Worth, Texas. But we had this affinity for horror. And when I would go visit him, he would have all these famous monsters magazines, which I did not have at the time. He was older and his, had a brother two years older than him. So four, year, <clears throat> four years older than me. <clears throat> and I was just amazed. It was like, to me, it was like going to Disneyland. I would rather go to my cousin's <laughs> house and spend time in their bedroom with all their monster stuff. The Aurora monster models plastic models. Um, and, and then my cousin being such a great artist and all that would paint them and make them look great. And then uh, uh, the, he had a collection of the uh, published by the same company, which was called Warren publishing. Um, these periodicals that on horror that they put out and they weren't regular comic books. Comic books at that time were, you know, had color and they were mostly superhero stuff. Uh, war comics, uh, girls, uh, romance comics and things and Westerns. But the um, uh, Warren magazines were larger and they were black and white and they didn't have the comics code of approval so they could get away more with gorier stuff. and. Luckily for us kids, the artists that were doing the artwork and the stories were guys that used that had left EC Comics in the 50s when it imploded and became Mad Magazine. And they the comics code cut out all the horror, great horror stuff that they did, Tells from the Crypt, Han of Horror. Um, and the uh, so they ended up doing stuff in the 60s along with new other artists that have come along, like Spider-Man's uh, co-creator, Dr. Strange co-creator, well, actually created Dr. Strange on his own, really. Steve Ditko and these guys were doing uh, work there, and uh, <clears throat> and they were free from, from doing a superhero story. They would do eight pages of a story. And for a while there, for a few years, uh, Archie Goodwin was the editor there and chief writer. And Archie Goodwin is a god in the comics industry. And a combination of him writing and working with these guys and the freedom that that company had for letting you do stuff and the larger format and black and white, they produced these tremendous horror stories. Now, added to this was the covers of the of almost the first 20 issues of creepy Mac with there was creepy later eerie magazine. And then further on Vampirella, which was the female character they introduced. But they had these two characters that would do, introduce them in uncle creepy cousin, eerie, these uh, 
you know, real scary looking guys. And, um, but Frank Frazetta did the covers for these magazines. So yeah. here I am a kid. I got universal horror films and other horror films on the TV in the movie theaters. Hammer was still producing stuff and things. I got to go and see in the movie theater a lot of the all the 60s Hammer stuff, plus everything else that was being Amicus and, uh, you know, whoever would, was making horror films. And uh, movies back then would, uh, they would be in a theater like one or two days and then change. So, and you would have these double bills. So if it was a horror double bill, which was usually around the weekend, we got to see stuff like I'll never forget. I saw <clears throat> Dracula, Prince of Darkness and Plague of the Zombies, which is, are two Hammer films. And Plague of the Zombies has a scene in it that just totally to this day still freaks me out. Uh, it's a dream sequence where we see this person get his head cut off, but uh, all that. So all this stuff was flying around. I don't know that I've, I, I don't know that I've seen Plague of the Zombies. Uh, it's it's really good. It's a it's a it's a zombie movie that's that's done like the classic zombie that we have zombies to work or do things. You know, uh -huh. yeah, uh, on a, a place, but it's in an English countryside, I believe. And uh, there's, you know, things going on. But the, in my little, I want to say about fourth grade mine or fifth grade mine, you know, it was just, you know, um, it's, this scene especially, uh, you know, scared me. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I got on into all horror from all this, meeting other people that liked horror. And then my cousin, who I'm really close to, Hara, hara, hara. Later, I'll skip through this real quick. I moved to Texas after getting a degree and taught school, and I started doing comic conventions. And while I was doing comic conventions, I mean, as in producing comic conventions, because I'd always gone to them, um, it led to meeting a bunch of people in comics and uh, in, you know, maybe a horror star director. And then I eventually I ended up in California and uh, uh, writing scripts. Uh, nothing that ever got really made. I've script doctored some stuff and all that, but I met more people, the makeup artists and people. My cousin Carrie became good friends with Rick Baker, the seven time Academy Award winner, uh, makeup artist and all this. And so you know, we continue to love horror. Carrie was out here working, designing for uh, makeup effects. And uh, and so we met all these people that worked in horror. And I was living out here. Carrie would go back to Texas He's because he had his family there. But these people all became, you know, friends of mine. And also the 90s, I talked about the Internet earlier uh, before we started uh there was a thing called the Classic Horror Film Board on AOL back in the day when you had to dial up yeah. to the internet. <laughs> and all the giants that worked in horror as far as journalism 
And then we found out later a lot of horror directors and people would show up, but under assumed names, they, they wouldn't go by their name. Uh, boy, we were tight there. I mean, I'm telling you from uh, 95 to 2000, we examined all kinds of horror movies and you got, we got into fights or we clapped each other on the back or whatever. And that kind of upped the level of getting to know people in the horror genre and all that. And you'll never find any bigger horror nuts than the guys that when you watch the credits and they do special effects makeup, I mean, those guys are just huge and know tons of people. And they're, you know, I, I love knowing that they're geeks first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and things. And then finally, I'll conclude me and my cousin decided with computers and stuff, we could make our own comic books. So we created our, here, I'll bring this. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not seeing a picture on your side. There you go. I, I walked out of the way. Can you oh, see me? No, I, all I get is a, a big S. There, all right. What happened? Your video is not coming through. All right. So I'm, I'm not sure about that. Let me see first. Well, I, I got these two uh, comic books just to show you a video. So let's see. Let me start. Oh, start video. How about oh, there that? you are. I see you now. Maybe it goes off if you step <laughs> out of the, the picture or something. I don't know. Um, so anyway, this is this is the comic books that we created. Can you see them? Yep. I, I own all those. Yeah, Bella Lugosi's Tales from the Grave. And they were labors of love. And they're it's a little dusty. Uh, we got the because we met. Oh, there I can see yeah. myself now. Because <laughs> um because um uh we love Bella Lugosi, we were friends with Bella Lugosi Jr. and rigged up a, a contract to do these comic books. And with computers, you don't need the army that it used to take to make them. You still have to work like crazy. But um, and we contacted people and we were very fortunate that all kinds of people wanted to be involved because it was Bella Lugosi. And they're all geeks, like I said, you know, for this stuff. So our first issue, this is uh, the first issue of Bella Gosses, and you'll notice the cover is Basil by Basil Gogos, who did all those famous monsters covers I'm, I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. And Famous Monsters was run by a guy named, guy named Forey Ackerman, or he was the editor. James Warren was the publisher. And uh, everybody, you know, Rick Baker, you name it, everybody came to horror and that was the book that kind of like did it and everybody can remember the first issue that they saw of famous monsters usually because basil gogos did the cover yeah well, this was an unpublished gogos uh painting of dracula and to show you how geeky this all gets um uh gogos there were these people Huge fans of Gogos, and my cousin was one, and he did a book on Gogos. All right, and um, weeded myself off of all the X Men books. I'm not going to get into that anymore. I'm done. And the guy says, 
well, haven't you heard about the new X-Men book? Well, I don't want to hear about it, you know. And I'll, <laughs> well, look, you know, it's it's written by Josh Whedon and drawn by John Cassidy. And the kid, the kid throws his hands up and goes, ah, just when you think you're out, they drag you back yeah. in. And the kid, the kid that brought in the news says, it's like they sprinkle crack between the pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. That's what it was. So John, you know, was just phenomenal, uh, you know, artist doing stuff. But then, show you, you know, he never stops. He did a Captain America book that was just amazing in the wake of the 911 thing. And John's a huge Captain America fan. And um, and then he did a, um, I was at the San Diego Con. I can't get into Hall H, which is the big 12,000 people or eight, was it 12 or 8,000 people? And, uh, you know, which is okay with me because I've been to so many comic cons in San Diego. So I meet John up on Saturday night. Now, John, let me back up, is a, my cousin mentored John as a kid when he was in junior high. Huh. Artist. Yeah. Now I say mentor. I don't just mean artwork. John didn't really get into the art with my cousin, but but movies like we're talking now. Yeah. He loved the same horror movies. And he's probably the last kid that had to live in a world that you had to watch whatever was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and, Car and Carrie, because he liked this kid so much and he knew so much <clears throat> in Fort Worth, Texas, <clears throat> they worked out a deal. And Carrie said, write down what you haven't got seen or, or, you know, or don't have recorded because VCR was, you know, VHS was new back then. And then John would bring like 10 or 20 video cassette, blank video cassettes up and a sack to a comic shop. They knew drop them off. If Carrie wasn't there, if Carrie would come into the shop, get the sack because they would keep it for him go back and record movies for him. And then if he, he didn't have it or if there was something else or whatever, he put other stuff. So John literally got to see the movies that we love and adore yeah. that used to go to comic cons and things to see that we couldn't <laughs> see on TV and all that through that. All to say, we got the greatest comic book artist in the world to do a story for us. And he did the variant cover, which is every, if a store orders five books, <clears throat> four of them would have this cover. And then the fifth one would have the variant cover, which would be by John, which was a, another piece of art. It was an inducement to get you to buy five books. Yeah. They do it all the, the time and all that. Uh, and then I've, I've had industry people even today, go, how the did you get John Cassidy to draw you a book and do a, a variant cover? And I mean, it's impossible. And I said, well, you know, my cousin's known him since he was in junior yeah. high. <laughs> he loves my cousin like an uncle. Yeah. And then John and I actually met at San Diego Con back as he was just starting Planetary. And then he realized, oh, my God, you're Carrie's cousin. He knew me through Carrie that yeah. Carrie was in Hollywood. And I said, oh, my God, you're the kid 
he used to make all the movies. Yeah. <laughs> movies That's how we met at San Diego. I think it was about 2003 or so. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and eventually we got to do these these books and stuff. So all to say that's the kind of quality that we had going in our books. And I'll also say, here's our second issue. And that's uh, <clears throat> a CGI um, creation by Rick Baker, the seven-time mm-hmm. Academy Award winner, who also won, has won an Emmy. Uh, uh, who did Michael Jackson's Thriller makeup, who did... American yeah. in London and I can go on and on yeah. again. We're all yeah. geeks. people all that geeks. don't even know horror makeup. Know yeah. Rick Baker's oh, name. Uh, yeah. in the midst. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's done so much. The new, yeah. is it Maleficent? Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh-huh. The, the movie. Yeah. They brought him in just to design the makeup on, um, Jolie's, uh, face for the row. You know, they, they, they hire him to consult, you know, yeah. And, now he's retired now after seven academy awards uh but i guarantee you he could be pulled out of requi- uh, retirement if offered the right horror project yeah okay? <laughs> i know i know that for a fact anyway he does a lens this um image to us carrie puts in a a, a background with a ship and stuff and we have this uh story that Carrie came up with called Beware the Eye of the Soul-Stealing Sailor. Well, that looks, you know, that looks like Popeye. Yeah. And, um, and we did a take on that in the, uh, the thing. So I'm just talking about all this organic kind of meeting of minds and people came together to do our books, which is all my long-winded way of saying when you asked, how did I come to horror and all that? It's just been, I mean, you cut me and out will flow black and white movies. And, yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and all this, you know, it's just there, you know, I can't, I, you know, I, I live and breathe it. I think I'm fairly normal, but <laughs> you know, I don't have quite the stuff around here uh, that, uh, you know, in my little uh, place that I'm at, but uh, you know, yeah, it's there. You know, I got tons of books on, on all this. Yeah. Uh, I was getting ready to ask something. Oh, on, on the comics, uh, you can still get them online. You can, yes, they're downloadable. What, and I, I, I went out and looked the other day and I, they're on comiXology or whatever. Yeah, comicsology. Yeah. Uh, what happened was, you don't make any money making comics, and especially if you're not Marvel and DC. And we didn't have a big money bags, you know, company behind us. Yeah. But we had all these great comics, and we also produced a book called uh, uh, Flesh and Blood. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you. And uh, that one, I mean, that was lauded by. Gamal de Toro, first issue, uh, we have a quote from him, phenomenal. That's all he said. He just he just loved it. Um, and uh, let's see, John Landis, who directed Thriller, but also American Werewolf in London, uh, you know, Animal House and all these things. Um, loved it. Gave us a great quote. Uh, the director of The Howling and Gremlins. Joe Dante, 
just loved it, you know, and I mean, they ate it up. He, you know, I, he said, this is the graphic novel equivalent of the films that we grew up on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we did really good books, but getting into comic shops, mom and pop shops all over the United States that run this because they're geeks for it too. It's really hard if you're not Wolverine or Batman. Yeah. Or Power Rangers. Okay. And eventually we just couldn't financially keep it up. We're doing all this work. Carrie, especially Carrie has all this computer knowledge now. So from lettering to coloring, you name it, he was working on putting these issues together. And, um, <clears throat> and then, you know, we work with writers and artists and uh, we'd have to, Unfortunately, what what Carrie and I share is a curse. And the curse is, is that we've grown up on all these fantastic comic creators and artists and things over the years. And we've learned a lot about color design and uh, layout and all these things almost by osmosis, you know, I mean, from reading it over and over, knowing that mm -hmm. this is better than this and this artist was powerful for this thing and this one was powerful for that and so this guy broke all the rules but he broke it knowing the rules well you know we had people that you didn't have to say a thing to and we had people we had to work with and on um, layout and design and it's a lot of work and i did a lot of layout design um on stories that especially that i did uh the first one at least the second one i had I had a wonderful artist did and I had a great artist on the first one, but I'm just saying it's a lot of work, a lot yeah. of work over everything. And I took over handling promotions and things. We put on like, I want to say four panels at the San Diego con, which I put on, you know, got a hold of, you know, to the people and got it all set up and they would be there and have all the guests and things like that. Um, a lot of work. And so, luckily, Legendary Films, which is huge. I mean, they produce The Matrix, you know, the Batman, Superman movies you see coming out now. Uh, I mean, they produced a lot of, lot of stuff. Uh, oh, and the Godzilla movies. They got the rights to the Toho, Godzilla, Rodan the thing, uh, Mothra, all these characters and King Kong. And so they decided there was a guy over there and I kept hearing through my comic book buddies that, and he was a big wig at legendary. I forget his name, but he was like, ah, Monsterverse. That was our company, Monsterverse. It was yeah. copyrighted, trademark. Ah, God, I want that name. You know. So eventually he made an offer and my cousin and he uh, uh, dickered around and uh, came up with something. And uh, they bought the name for a fee. We were able to pay off debts, make a little money. And Carrie is still consulting with them. In fact, speaking of, we are talking horror, if... Uh, Look for Legendary has a comic division and they've got a Bella Lugosi 
Dracula coming out. And that's where uh, the story is told, but with blood and sex and things that they couldn't do in the 30s with Lugosi. But it's Lugosi's character as Dracula all through the book. And Carrie worked with a fine artist on it. And he would, Carrie would help in the art direction, the layout, and uh, cleaning up and doing, and, and they would work as a team on, 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 on the art so that it would make it really look like Lugosi and all that. And the Lugosi family was a part of it. Uh, and they, of course, have, you know, having worked with us, they, you know, they love Carrie, you know, and all that. And I think they love me. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and so Carrie was still doing that. And so Carrie's still working over at Legendary. That's a good yeah. thing. And this new Dracula book is coming out. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. So that's what happened. We're done. But you can still get the books. Yeah. At comicsology.com or whatever. Uh, you know, look them up and get the Legosi books and the uh, 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 Flesh and Blood. And I want to mention something. There's a book called uh, that we gave away for free through them. I think it may still be up. And it was pre-Buffy the Vampire. But it was essentially Buffy the Vampire, a young teenage girl Uh and and killing vampires and that, who becomes a kind of a vampire-esque character. And it was a DC book that my old roommate, Talk about, you know, you know, everybody, my old roommate in Houston, Texas, when I was teaching was Keith Wilson, who went on to work at DC and all these things. Keith designed the new Robin logo, the way it looks on the, uh, the chest and all that. He was really good at all these kind of things. So he worked at DC for a while and they sold this thing and it was called Scarlet with two T's at the end. And we offered that for free. And that was going to be the first issue. And then they were going to offer more. But I personally scanned that first issue to get it off the ground. And I'm sad to say that the guys that actually own the series, nobody nobody would scan the rest of them. So oh. they sell them, make some money. So I'm, I'm telling this a little aside to say how, how funny it is that people, you know, here was something that they own now. It came back to them from DC Comics. And they had the right to yeah. do this. And they could be doing it now for nothing, just scanning it, put it in on, and it would be on Comicsology. Huh. Well, I love my old friend, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, come on. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the rest of those books out. Maybe some dope. Well, I'll have to look up Scarlet, see if it's still oh, out it there. It was for free. Yeah. On the, yeah, the first issue. And it got a lot of people that downloaded it, loved it. So that, you know, the new kids and stuff. So, yeah. Huh. That, so there's the horror comics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then all the movie people just love the books uh, that are around here that are within our circle of people that we meet. We, you know, if you were a horror nut and you lived in L.A., it would be heaven. Because let's say like John Landis had a new book came out recently and I wasn't around for it. But 
there's a store called Dark Delicacy mm -hmm. that sells all kinds of horror stuff. They're I'm in Burbank. Uh, a couple of their anthologies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dell is in, uh, Howlson is the uh, and his wife Sue are owners of the shop, and uh, and he's been doing anthologies and and working and and writing horror stories and stuff for you know a long time, and and uh, and he knows all these people and stuff. So he had a signing, and John showed up for his new book on ghost stories. And, um, and so, you know, if you show up and get in line, you're probably going to be next to, for something like that, you're going to be yeah. next to somebody and you'll talk to somebody and so-and-so. In fact, let's see, John, I mean, Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins and the Howling and, um, and lots of other stuff. He still, you know, works on TV, you know, and everything. Um, I was at Dark Delicacy when it was over on at another location back in the 90s. And a good friend of mine named Bill Warren. Bill worked at Famous Monsters as almost a kid on up. And so Bill wrote Keep Watching the Skies, the sci-fi of the 50s movies. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a Bible. It's like, you know, you got to have. And um, then uh, he wrote The Evil Dead Companion, you know, too, yeah. which was all about those movies at Sam Raimi. Because he knows all these guys, or he knew yeah. all these guys. He passed away a few years ago. But at that time, Bill, I was in the shop there. We're talking, and we were there for some signing. And Bill goes, oh, Sam, hey, Joe Dante, uh, Joe Dante, Sam, our, our mod pro on the classic horror board. Yeah. And Joe goes, oh, yeah. I goes, what of us? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I loosely got friendly yeah. with Joe and, and all these people. Uh, 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 Bill helped set that all up. And, uh, and, you know, um, and so if you come out, you're living you might as well just get uh in on these kind of people hanging out and 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 uh, doing things together you know? yeah well, that's cool well that was the the first part of uh almost four and a half hour chat that i had the other day with with sam i'll be breaking down the rest of it uh and posting additional episodes in the future I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, share it with your friends. Join our Facebook group. And uh, as always, you can listen to us on all the major uh, podcast uh, sites. So until next time, talk to you later. Bye.